Riley Murtha, and I'm your host. This is Life and Shit, your weekly safe haven away from all of the artificial bullshit going on out there, where we discuss what it means to live well, what it means to truly feel good, and how we can achieve those things. So thank you so much for being here, and let's get to this week's episode. Thank you for being here. I am so excited about this episode. My guest today is an absolute legend in the Vancouver fitness industry. I don't want to offend anyone, but I think it goes without saying he's Vancouver's favorite group fitness instructor. He's an icon. He has the most amazing energy and just such a joy to speak with or to do a class with him is always the best time. I'm here with Michael Kong, and we are talking about life and shit, fitness and shit, COVID and shit, mental health and shit, self-love, self-care, and I loved every second of this conversation. He's been one of my favorites for so many years, so let's get right to it. Okay. Hi, Michael. Hello. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, for joining me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Okay. Just kick it off. Why don't you just start by telling us a little bit about you? What does your life look awesome. like right now? And kind of how did you get to where you are today? Awesome. So my name is Michael. I've been teaching fitness for 16 years. I actually started teaching fitness when I was 16 too, which is crazy. Um, I remember I was in a performing arts high school and the director was like, come here. She's like, you would be so good at teaching fitness classes would you like to do your bcrpa and i just was like such a like a woo girl like i was like yeah woo let's go when you were 16 so, yeah i was 16 wow. and she just like bought it at, yeah miss sandra and she put me in contact with one of her best friends and um she put me into bcrpa and i didn't really know what i was doing like i was like oh yeah i'm gonna take this anatomy course but it was actually like a full-on group fitness course yeah so i was like with like not only PE teachers, but I was also people who wanted like personal training at like, this is, this is Victoria. They wanted, um, they needed trainers for the like, good life fitness or I can't even remember what it's called. There's some gems that I don't even remember, but there was a specific job in mind where they wanted me to teach step aerobics and hip hop fit at VI fitness for women. And I was like the only male teacher and I had my own studio where I could go in without like disrupting the female based um, a female identifying clients and I remember it was like the funniest thing like I was literally hired as a teenager to be the motivational gay step aerobics teacher like classic like <laughs> <laughs> so fun yeah it was crazy so then I did that for a while and then I moved to Vancouver to pursue dance and get my BFA at SFU oh. and I while I was working there, I was also working as a professional dancer outside of my degree, and I met, um, I met the owner of Bar Fitness through a mutual friend, and I got a job there to augment paying for school and for my life outside of dance, and it was crazy how flexible it was, and then it was just like crazy luck crazy luck because the owner of Bar Fitness hired Ashley Ander who was like dreaming of Ride Cycle Club and then because of that connection at Bar I also met Katie Gallagher who was the owner of Tech Club and she was still like kind of starting her studio because she was still teaching in her garage um so as I started to leave Bar I wanted to go work for Ride and as I worked for Ride I became an original coach at Tay Club, where then at Tay Club, I met Nate Morris, who also taught there, and he started Club Row. So, like, my career in Vancouver Fitness has just been quite organic. It's been, like, being out there, being always available, like, one of my core values. So, just being available to people who have really cool ideas. Actually, I'm available to everybody. That's my motto as well. But it was really cool to be a part of, like, our fitness's, like, strongest years, then to help open up Ride and to help open up 
Tight Club and Club Row. And that's just kind of how the connections kept on going. And then because of Ride and getting a bigger presence, I got noticed through Berries in Toronto. So I'm going to be on the Berries team when they come here as well. Okay. Um, That's exciting. Yeah. So it's just kind of in like these like insane connection. And then also while all this happened, like before I seen some management roll a ride, Body by Kong was in a whole other accident because, like, I was training at Ride, and one of my friends used to work at Ride, Julia Hulkier. She's said she went to Mexico for a week, and she was like, "I need my Body by Kong." And I remember being like, "That's it. That's my new Instagram right, handle." Yeah. Immediately, Body by Kong. <laughs> and then Body by Kong was like this like nomad gym where people just took my classes all across the city in many different formats. So if they didn't like the jumping classes, they come to my bar class, or they come to my booty love class at Tick Love, or if they only liked spin, then I would they would only come to ride. But then it became all this cross multi platform of people just coming to all these different places, and they're like, "Oh, I like cardio, but I hate spin." I'm like, "Well, come to Club Bro." You have you have a solution for everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All it was covered. so funny. So so it became this like versatile coach, and in a weird way, developed my own teaching ethos that translated well from all places so that's kind of how that happened in the last I guess this really like started picking up pace in 2011 I think is when I started working at bar okay so I guess it's been about 10 years of the Vancouver fitness scene wow and just such like divine timing everywhere you went there was just something ready for you to like be a part of brand new which is so I know. amazing it was so lucky I'm so thankful and I haven't had a, ta- a chance to really reflect with like how these, the web of people have really got me to where I am at. The craziest like synchronicity is just like putting you in the right place at the right time to meet the right person. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what though, the craziest thing, the biggest jump is when I realized when I became the master instructor at Ride, I like took five and a half months off of drinking and I remember like reflecting a lot about my dance career and thinking about like, because I was just so autopilot used to other people connecting through and just getting all of these opportunities, I did. I didn't. I think I just kept on going with the flow, but I never thought about actually being able to stay within each business or system and making my own idea or my own roles within the company. I kind of just took what I got, yeah. you know. So as I was reflecting, like, oh, maybe I would have been a better professional dancer if I actually had applied myself more. But then I started doing that with not only the way I teach, but with what I asked for from my employers and like actually just speaking up to what I thought would really help them and also aid in my life. And that was like the big switch when I was like, okay, fitness is my life. I'm never going to go back to dance for a multitude of financial reasons mostly. But um, that's when I realized like there's so much more to what I do other than just an employee because I definitely don't want to be a business owner either okay I'm a technician I've always known that I'm a technician and why would I start my own thing which is then eventually I've watched many of my friends get frustrated when they open their businesses why would I start a thing and then that business would take me farther away from the thing that I love which is teaching yeah technicality um and also movement and I've been watching I watch these business owners create culture about it with their staff but not actually doing the thing that they're good at which is teaching classes like katie gallagher well now tight club's all tight club is just her yeah but like when we were open it was just basically katie gallagher managing all of us not being able to teach nothing to fill her cup you know Mm -hmm. what i mean exactly so i watched that and i kept that very strong in my heart that i never want to open up a body by kong or a gym because i I hate wondering that I hate numbers. I don't want to worry about payroll or taxes that are my own personal taxes or someone else's taxes. No, yeah, 100%. (laughs) We can clearly know I hate taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're so right about that. Like having someone else take care of all this stuff that's not fun just so you can be doing exactly what like lights you up and what energizes you. I think that's so smart. Exactly. So you're from Victoria? Yeah, I'm from Victoria. I moved here when I was 17. Um, I graduated and I I have this travel bug where I get to travel alone and go to cities for a long time. 
And so I was in Australia and I had just plopped my butt there and I was planning to actually move there, do the whole like, this is my life now. But as if you had an audition and I got in and my family forced me to come back and go to it. And that's what happened. I got one in April and I just said I'm moving to Vancouver and I just said yes to a dance program that I didn't really research and did it. (laughs) (laughs) It was all meant to be, I guess. Yeah. Did you grow up dancing? This is the funny thing. This is actually, this is a great um, succession of ideas. I was homeschooled till the end of grade eight. In grade eight, I took like Japanese classes at the high school that I eventually ended up going to. But I had decided then, it was always my choice, but I decided I wanted to go to public school full time. Mm. Um, the reason why I was homeschooled, I don't really know other than that's just how it was. I asked my parents about it and they were like worried because we got bullied a lot for being half Chinese. And that sucks, but that's the past. But um, when I went to the school counselor, he's like, so what type of electives do you want? And I was like, um... Well, I like dancing in my living room. He's like, well, this is an actual dance program. I was like, well, sign me up for like beginner and intermediate and company and let me just try it. And so I remember like going, that was like placement day, like classic dance movie. It was placement yeah. day. And they, I just went up and played a song and freestyled and the teacher loved it. And then all of a sudden I was in the dance program and every day I just danced because I said I wanted to try it. Oh, that's amazing. That does not surprise me at all. (laughs) so funny. So it's the same thing. It was like, well, let's see if this works. And then, oh, Miss Carrie likes me. And then, oh, Miss Sandra likes me. And all of a sudden, I'm dancing four hours a day. And then after the first year of just high school dance, the teacher was like, I think you should get more technique. Um, I know your family can't afford dance classes outside of high school. But if I can get you an apprentice where you teach with me, maybe you can get a scholarship. So then that happened, and then all of a sudden I was dancing four hours in high school, and then I was dancing from 4 p.m. till 9 after school. And I just was literally just said, I'm going to be a dancer. <laughs> I love that. That is really cool how it just unfolded so naturally. Exactly. It's like an unconventional dance background, too. Like, typically people just get put in dance class when they're young, and they just do it. But it, like, found you. It was meant to be. Yeah, I really had to want it, too, because I was always kind of, like, based off of because I danced so late and I had no dance training. I just was the, the underdog. I think the joke I tell people is, like, every year they gave dance awards and I was always either most improved dancer or team spirit. I was always, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, like, he's got really good energy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's true for sure. So sometimes I call my, introduce myself as, I'm Michael Kong. I'm the team spirit. <laughs> Well, you do. You have such a big energy, like amazing energy about you. And that's probably the reason why you have such a following as a group fitness instructor in the city. People go out of their way to go to your classes. I know I have in the past, like even now I don't do a lot of group fitness, but sometimes like even when you were open at ride after COVID started, like I was going out of my way to come to your classes. So just like needed that in my life. So what fuels you? Like, what do you think is allowing you to have that kind of energy to share with other people it's so funny I think I'm like an extreme junkie so I I like what I saved most people is like ah there's no better reward than like a good meal and a nap and not listening to loud music but I think it's like that's the pay the payoff for wanting to have the best nap ever and the best meal is like to make that the most rewarding thing to go to the complete opposite which is also why I thrive off of social connection and people and cool, uh, cool events and situations. And um, I think what fueled me the most was performance. So I think that's mm-hmm. why from dance to ride was really amazing because there's such a performance aspect to ride. Yeah. But what I liked about it is it was interactive. Where in dance, you're just showing people these numbers and hoping they like it. But like in the live moment of teaching a class, especially at ride. You can win people over if they're losing interest. You can literally change their lives or show interest in in what their lives are outside of class and then bring that into it. And it becomes this like big synergy moment where everybody keeps on improving each other. And so I think I really thrive off of that. And I just go into every situation and every class 
And I go, even if I'm having the worst day, I like to make the magic happen where I'm like, okay, well, these people are here to be here and want to be here. They are changing my energy because they love this and I love it too. And so it's just that conversation of, I think, people in general, um, how you can just affect each other in the live moment. I always actually, I always tell when I mentor people, you know, you're a good coach when you can turn any class into a good class. Oh, you're at low energy. Well, you can have every, every tool in the book will make this class a good class if you know how to do it. If you remove the judgment or the ego, you can turn your most hungover class <laughs> as a teacher to the funnest. Or if you're crying about your ex-boyfriend who we found was on Grinder the night before, and you go and you're crying before your morning class, you can just say, I have to get something out. And you just like make it about that. And like, <laughs> <laughs> Or like you see someone, they're having a bad class. You like pull out an inside joke or something. You know what I mean? So like, I think I really like the fact that no outcome is predictable, but every outcome is uh, full of effort and anything can be transformed into something positive. That's what people have been calling me recently ever since I did that Kid Carson interview. They He called me Mr. Positive. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. That's good. And I think yeah. you're just so honest and raw and real with people. Like you don't go into a lot of group fitness classes where people are sharing like that intimate details of what's going on in their life and I think that probably just makes people feel so connected to you and like oh they open up to you right it's a like a reciprocal thing you build that connection so fast by being authentic with people like that yeah it's like it's like just breaking down the barrier and I think like just just generally like I'm just finding out now because I'm now starting to use Strava and I'm growing a lot for stats so like I'm increasing power and I now understand like what it means to actually train as an athlete but that's kind of scary. But people who are also just coming to the fitness scene and they're coming to classes, there's so much verbal diarrhea that's happening in their head. Like, I'm not fit enough. Yeah. I'm not athletic. I'm not cut out for this genre of workout. And then I have now done enough different things. And I have now, like, understand what it means to even train as an athlete. Like, I hear my verbal diarrhea when I'm in a row, virtual row class. And they're actual Olympian rowers. I'm like, but then you can be like, well, I'm not going to try. I'm just going to stay at this point mm-hmm. and this split because I'm never going to be as good as them. So I think I, I use humor to break that down. And I also remind people, like, it's not easy and you don't have to be the best and you don't have to be take this so seriously. Like, everything can be a yeah. joke. Everything, I'm constantly running jokes in my head, nonstop. I live in my head in sarcasm and saltiness and humor and so like if I see someone getting scared I just call it out I don't call them out I'm just like I'm scared too yeah like or <laughs> I think I one time had this one person who was like super like did not want to be in a spin class it was like a Sunday morning and I just like it's like I probably don't want to be here I don't want to either I'm hungover but I'm smiling <laughs> we can get through it together yeah yeah exactly just being so, real anyway. that makes a world of difference just someone being super honest with you and I don't think that people realize that sometimes the instructors don't want to be there either. And we're all human and we all have like highs and lows. So bringing just everybody onto the same level is huge. Well, I think also like what I've learned because of COVID now, because my time is just so much more valuable to give, like, because I'm out there and I really want to be out, but there are classes that I don't want to be at. And that's usually the mental health days where you're like, don't want to be seen because you feel like you're having a bad day. Mm-hmm. But then in those moments, like every time I've had a class where I've not been in the mood these days, I just like look up and like, look at all of these people who make me super happy, who want to be here, who are also probably having a hard time and it's okay. And I can usually just tell people like, I'm having a hard day at the beginning of a class. And then immediately permission to actually switch the, switch the story or the narrative and actually be have a good class rather than try and spend the whole time hiding or pretending that you're in a good mood yeah. or that you're not affected by the world or the state of what's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you can actually make that 55 minutes something so, so powerful. Yeah, well, that is. That's beautiful. It's like a give-and-take relationship. Sometimes you're going to show up and feel great and other people are going to feel like shit and wonder why they're there and vice versa and yeah. we can both lift each other up like that is what it's all about and I've had that too days where I'm like 
this is the last thing I want to do and like show up at a boot camp and like everybody's just there and their energy is so good and you forget that you were even in a bad mood like when you showed up. Exactly. I used to say the hardest part about anything is showing up. Yeah. But once you show up, you can do it, anything you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel that that's kind of just been my motto. I mean, I'm older now, so showing up hungover is not the best. <laughs> <laughs> More challenging. That's very challenging. But also, if you make it funny, then it's fine. But yeah, that's kind of the, that's kind of what I always like tell my coaches when I train them at ride is the reason why the training program is so long and the reason why I like to hire people that have no teaching experience as well is because you'll always remember how hard it is and so when someone comes in and it's their first time they you're at the advantage of being more um appealing and safe to that person because your teaching and coaching style will remind them that you also or new at one point too. Yeah. That compassion is so important. I always also say like, I don't want any of my teachers to be me and I don't want any of my teachers to try, I want them to be better than me one day or even better than me right away. And that comes with knowing that no one in your class should ever feel intimidated because being good at that class is not being as good as the teacher. Being good at that class is being as good as they want and how they want to feel good in yeah. that class. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of American classes, I've taken a couple American classes, especially spin ones, and it's a celebrity energy where, like, the teacher gets this, like, ego where mm. they make it impossibly hard because the only way to ever be really good at that class is to be as good as them, yeah. rather than, like, teaching how to actually improve whatever goals that are all different in the room, how each client can achieve their own goal. Rather than try and just be like, oh, well, I want to be exactly like my spin teacher because this class is really hard and that's the only appeal. Yeah. You know? Well, I think there is like not a, maybe not a stigma, but like it can be really intimidating to someone who's never done that type of class. And I know I have friends in my network and people who either wanted to do it and waited forever to try it because they were scared or people who still have never done that type of group fitness class. So what do you tell someone who's interested but like intimidated to try their first class I usually just ask questions back I'm like well what is intimidating and then I lend an ear I'm like well yeah that is intimidating that's really hard and like that's a hard part about being in a group class and then I usually just ask them like what would it take for you to try something new without having that judgment Mm -hmm. so this is so funny like this is like the standard answer so when the world was open and for example I'm like at Earl's at 10 p.m. on a Friday doing tequila shots with and they my friend's friend I've never met and they're like well I'm too scared I'm like well I lock into this like serious conversation I'm like well don't be intimidated but you know what you can be and that's normal but think about what it would be like to flip that narrative or to conquer that and trust that you can go in there and make a choice after you've been in or you can go in there and decide that it is not for you but at least you went in and tried it mm-hmm. and decided and that's a more powerful choice than saying and making a decision based off of something you haven't experienced and you're using and that usually, logic to convince them to take tequila shots no yeah oh. totally <laughs> <laughs> no 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 so just good. like and tell them to come, i'll be like come take my class tomorrow They're yeah like, no I'm oh scared. yeah yeah, yeah. That's well, so that's funny. Just ima- <laughs> so you're- Actually, I do do, <laughs> I do do that with tequila shots. There's this one time Katie Gallagher and I were in New York, and we had planned all these fitness classes, and we went out for a drink. I was like, let's do shots. And she's like, I probably shouldn't. I'm like, those times that you probably shouldn't are the times you should. should. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you need it the most. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> but in those situations, like you're listening to people, you're validating their fears because they're real. But it's also yeah. just like letting go of the expectations. I think that's the big barrier, right? Is people don't want to do it if they're not good at it. And it's like, well, you have to get exactly. out of your comfort zone in order to try something yeah. to get good at it or to feel good. I mean, I, that's still the same thing. I'm not good at dating and I'm trying, like, you know what I mean? But then like, you have to just put yourself in a situation or you're like, I'm getting nervous about CrossFit because I, I'm a slow learner. And I like to learn systems and I like to learn shyly. And I'm actually quite shy when I learn something. So like new things are scary for me too, because I need to be able to try it and do it alone. Or I need to be able to do it a lot and feel safe that it's okay for me to do it a lot. Yeah. Like spin was so hard for me. I fell off the bike the first time. And I was the only reason why it was 
good for me is because the room was dark and there was an unlimited pass and I could just do it a lot. Yeah. You know that what was I mean? going to be my next question. I want to know like your first spin experience, what that was like and how you got into that world. And was it first with ride or had you done other spin before that? I have never done a spin class before. So what happened was I knew Ash was opening up ride and Brooke, I just started dating one of her old best friends. I had never met Brooke before. And I was like, oh, right, I'm really interested. I would like to go take one of the soft opening classes. And so me and my boyfriend at the time get in the car. He's like, this is Brooke. And she's like, oh, hi, hi. And we introduced ourselves. And we started this, like, fun friend competition because we both got addicted. She was really good at it, though, because she taught at Canaan's with Ashley. And I was just really bad. I got into the room, sat next to JJ Wilson. I couldn't clip in. I was too stubborn. So, like... I yeah. was, it was new. I was too stubborn to like really figure it out. And I would just made a joke of it. Classic, salty. <laughs> I was like, I can't cope in. What does this little dial do anyways? And, and then the class just went and I kept on cranking my tension. I didn't really understand. I was like, well, wait, what does this do? Like, what am I hearing? And also, you know what it's like at ride first time you take your class, no matter how safe and comfortable and understanding the room is, the mic sounds like this. <laughs> right? So you're just like, ah. <laughs> so the class happened. I let it figure it out. I couldn't clip. I clipped. I fell off the bike. And oh, then, how do you fall off? Uh, yeah. It was, I just couldn't figure out how to clip. And I unclipped my oh. other foot and fell. And I hit my friend Julia in the ankle, who was on the other side. And she had a big bruise on her calf. And then JJ was sitting out on the bench, all cool looking with his hipster long hair and he was like how was it I was like I fell off my bike <laughs> and I bought five classes at the friends and family discount and then I was like hooked though because it was like music and dancing yeah. and it was just really cool to be around really awesome welcoming people mm-hmm. but also have this like really cool mysterious don't know anybody inside the room but then outside everybody was hanging out and talking and friendly and so that's what happened and I remember the day that Brooke got asked to do training and then I was like well I'm gonna do it so I just went up to Julie and Asher I was like I want to do training too and they're like okay and training for us was different like Brooke and I had four or five training sessions and then we were on the schedule but now training is like where I'm rambling but training is now 10 8, eight to 12 weeks usually oh, wow. 10 weeks of training yeah That's but that was my first spin experience was just literally putting myself into again something random mm-hmm. because I knew Ash through bar fitness and then going with the flow and Trusting. just being always there. <laughs> I'm surprised that you fell off your bike. That's a really good way to have people trust you. Like that's probably I everybody's worst that. nightmare. So if it happened to you, they're comfortable. It happened to everybody. Like I've done a lot of spin classes at Good Life. And like I had done tons of spin classes before going to ride. And I was like, okay, I know, I know what spin's like. And then the first time I went to ride, I'm, I think it was probably your class. I was like the, the craziest endorphin rush. I feel I was like, am I on drugs? Like this right? was like a rave. I've never been so happy and like enjoyed a workout so much in my whole life. Like it was crazy. I was like crying. I was like, this is so good. It hasn't changed no. either. It's crazy. Like there's some moments like I just like catch myself because I I get to film in the loud room still, so I right. still get that vibe. And there's some moments where you just are like so thankful that you still get to hear the loud music and the energy and the vibe and it it doesn't matter if you're spinning at home there's no different hit than spinning with loud music in the dark yeah it's intoxicating it's so good um yeah I think that was kind of the cool thing about it I also like I thought I was really confident my whole life but I didn't think I I don't think I became my best self when I did ride and the ride training, and I got to, like, really refine myself as a person and who I wanted to be at my most wildest or at my softest moments in class. For a while, it was, like, who's your alter ego? And then I kind of became the alter ego, and then I got to refine the alter ego. Then I got to help nurture other people to become that, and it just, like, I don't know. It was, it's pretty cool to watch people grow through the training program at Ride because I kind of, like, catch myself... Like, especially when I start training someone in the 26, 27-year-old range, and I'm watching them become more confident and happy 
and feel comfortable leading people and experimenting with new energy. You get so proud because you're basically teaching other people to be celebrate who they are in the moment. Yeah, like how to be confident and unapologetically themselves. That's amazing. Not and teaching them how to bring that out of others is like so cool. Yeah, that has got to be so rewarding. And there's so few opportunities for people to experience that. Exactly. It's kind of sparked this desire. I don't know if I'm going to actualize it because it requires me running a business, but (laughs) I do want to look into stronger leadership courses and life coaching courses, either A, to supplement my professional development as a leader and leader helping lead leaders or uh, helping people in general. I just would love that. I would love to have more tools to get people to feel more embodied and embraced in their individuality and moving for a feeling not just a reaction or an emotion yeah that's my that's where my kind of my ethos is going is like using movement to curate a feeling rather than to curate like a result result, and using coaching to I guess really connect with people on a deeper level that that creates uh confidence to be someone for someone else Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I like the I like the shift away from like the results based, like the physical results based approach. I mean, ironically, my business is called Results with Wiley, but that doesn't necessarily refer to physical results. With my clients, we really do de-emphasize the physical aspect and focus so much on how we feel and how we're able to show up. We are never really talking about the number on the scale or any of that like typical stuff like about it's all about how you mm-hmm. feel. Um, mm-hmm. And I just started a new program. It's like a, a group of women and it's all about self-love. Like it has nothing to do with fitness and nutrition. It's just about like reprogramming like the way that we think about ourselves and trying to be more mm-hmm. loving and more compassionate towards ourselves. So it's just been on the top of my brain. So I wanted to ask you because I've heard some of your conversations that you have during a class and you have a lot of wisdom and a lot of insight so what does self-love mean to you self-love to me it's been intense last how many what what do i call my saturn return i think it's from 26 to to 29 those are such hard years yeah so much drug use man and so much drinking and so much like association to fun to like fun right now yeah. You know what I mean? And I've just, like, with the last bout of depression I had from, like, December, January-ish, and all the drinking I went back into was intense because I think because I, A, could not do what I did for others, like what I just told you. Like, I yeah. couldn't interact with people in the way that made me feel like I was strong and confident. And I couldn't relate to people because I was feeling weak myself. Mm-hmm. Um I've now realized I think I've been training myself poorly, but I've been training other people well. And I think I was always training to look a certain way or to get to a certain um, level of, I guess, it's so crazy. The per- When you are good at something, you, can- you can't often do it yourself. I couldn't train myself to ever feel consistently happy. Because there was always something going on. And so what I did as an experiment was to start doing what I do for others and do it for myself. Yes. And so I started training and I wasn't training at the frequency or the quantity that I thought it needed to be to be a quote unquote in shape. Yeah. I started training for quality. So that's why I've been that like navigating more to club road these days is because you can measure your wattage Mm. and I've just been trying to get more into what is the meal that feeds me well enough for this so I can increase my wattage and then see those stats and feel strong and so then for example I just like had a pretty intense week because my best friend is on spring break and she lives in my building so there's been a lot of like casual day drinking or St. Patrick's Day and then Normally, I would just equate that to a bad week, and then a bad week could turn into a bad two weeks mm-hmm. of just, like, eating and falling off and then feeling the shame spiral. But now that I have these systems where I'm like, okay, well, I stay consistent in my week because I want to keep my power high. Yeah. So it was like staying consistent is the one thing that has been helping me 
and consistent for my health, not consistent for, oh, well, I have a photo shoot. Right. Like, I'm just being honest, that's, I'm on the party line is just to say that we're not, we don't struggle with these feelings of um, body dysmorphia, especially in the fitness industry, especially as a leader. But you do, right? You're like, oh, sh- I, I'm just going to punish myself. I'm not going to eat because I have a photo shoot and I had McDonald's on the weekend. And you know what I mean? And now I haven't been doing that. Like, I literally have not been doing that. I'm like, it's okay to do whatever you want. But if you are training for something that is important to you and that is specific, that's kind of what self-care is. And the one thing that I've never given myself is consistency. It's been a pendulum in extremes yes. for multiple years. Oh, well, I'm not going to drink for six months and then I'm going to go, go back to it. And yeah, yeah <laughs> pop off. And then it's COVID. So then when COVID's going to happen, I'm going to have no rules and that's fine. And I'm just going to do whatever I want. And the only thing that kept me consistent through all of this was always teaching mm. a lot. And so now I have no teaching schedule. And I was almost going back into another extreme because at Ride, there was all these math classes I could teach. And so I... And not for, like, a lot of money just because we don't have a lot of people. So on a heavily reduced wage, I was like, okay, well, I'll just teach a lot. So then I was teaching 24 mat classes in a pay period for little to next to nothing. Mm. So I, like, stepped that down, and I just snapped out of it. I was like, that's not consistent. I can't stay consistent with my schedule. It doesn't let me do what I need to do for rowing or for my running or for eating properly mm-hmm. if I'm always running on adrenaline. So, like, I've literally learned that it's about – staying consistent to something that's healthy and keeping the goals really small and attainable. Um, no big ideas is also another <laughs> one that I call I, for me, big ideas are what kill my consistency. Like, oh, okay. So I'm going to, in this month, uh, run a full marathon and I'm going to do the wild rose cleanse. And it's like, well, no, like literally what do I want this week? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, that's kind of how I ended up running a half marathon this month and rowing a half marathon is, is I just was, like, my week by week, I'm like, do I want this? Well, I'm training for it. Does that feel good now? Instead of planning, like, a big goal in the end, I just was like, there's, it's there, but I stacked up different smaller goals week to week. Yeah. And that's been kind of what's been working for me is just being satisfied with there's no bigger milestone in the end if you can't do the work that leads up to it. Yeah, and enjoying the journey and being more intentional about what the journey is doing to you. Because what's the point of torturing yourself to reach a goal that's unsustainable, right? That's a a big thing that I talk about a lot like in my programs and in my kind of philosophy is I'm never going to suggest anybody do anything that's not sustainable long term because that's not really achieving much. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so funny. That's where I'm like, it's always about the feeling now. Like I has to be about the feeling. I only do things that feel good. And I'm also, I'm not afraid to experiment with things that I don't know. And if it doesn't make me feel good, then that's okay. But I'm like, you know what I mean? Like you can't operate out of fear. And that's kind of why I came out of the sobriety thing too, is like, I didn't like that there was now the shame thing that if like I did drink, then I was Again, body dysmorphia. If I do drink, I'm not going to. I'm going to start increasing my body fat again. And, yeah. But then that's why I got the ten out of ten tattoo. Is I now that, that was the start of the motto where I only make do things that make me feel ten out of ten. Oh, I love that. Um. Yeah. So, but sometimes you have to like have that conversation. But like, I don't know. Wednesday, St. Patrick's barbecue in my common area with my neighbors didn't make me feel awesome on Thursday, but the memories on Wednesday made me feel ten out of ten. So you know what? that's okay. I don't need to like punish myself for it, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. And, and shooting for perfectionism, like you can't feel like we're not going to feel 10 out of 10 all the time. And when we get so caught up in like only trying to do everything in alignment with like what we think is right, that's when we burn ourselves out. Cause I've done that before exactly. too. I used to like boomerang back and forth between like being a party animal and then like trying to be a fitness person. And it was exhausting. <laughs> so like just being a little bit more gracious with myself and knowing that we don't have to do everything perfectly and we can have drinks or like do whatever we yeah. need to do to like still be human we're going to be able to show up better to and better equipped to help other people like navigate being a real person right it's the most it's the most important thing and also the longevity and the success of being in this fitness industry especially the type of people I want to target I'm not going to train highly performing athletes 
there are coaches for that. I am here to literally deal with life with other people and also help guide them through that level of fitness, which I'm in too. I'm in that level of fitness with them too, is like trying to integrate it in my life in a healthy way. Um, So when people start like creating these rules about fitness or they tell me these things that they want to achieve, I'm like, well, is that realistic or sustainable? Are you willing to make the change? If you really want to look this way do you have the tactic and sustainability for it or like the commitment because you don't have to do that you are fit you have a body you have a human body that works therefore you're an athlete you're capable you know I actually love that perspective so much and I relate to that wanting to be a trainer who is real and therefore can relate to real people just trying to maximize their wellness and their fitness without necessarily needing to be an athlete And really, that's probably what drew me to you was your realness, because I've been doing your classes since long before I entered the fitness industry as a personal trainer. And the thing that you mentioned about the 10 out of 10 rule, that's how I live my life these days. Like I refuse to have anyone or anything around me that doesn't make me feel amazing. So I love that so much. Yeah, I mean, there's, it is cool, because like, I am like, learning that to get specific that's when you can start training like higher performing athletes but um that's a whole other field that I don't think I'll ever get into I mean I think that's like really highly specialized training yeah too I mean I am interested in outdoor rowing but like also uh I don't know if that's what I'll I'll ever teach that I probably will just do it myself you know what I mean yeah just for your just for you just for me totally Okay, so let's talk about COVID because that obviously like that's one of the group fitness industry is one that's been probably hit the hardest. Like a year ago, I couldn't imagine there being no group fitness. Like that's the worst thing that could probably studio owner could ever imagine has happened. So tell us a little bit about like your journey through the last 12 months, which is crazy. And what does that mean for you like professionally and how has it affected you personally? From the get-go, it's made me a better person in both fields, both professionally and as a person. Um, It was really hard. It was really hard. I had a really hard time because, again, naturally being someone who just goes with the flow, to have the flow completely cut Mm. was really hard. And to also be faced with the insecurity of having to run my own business, too, (laughs) was really stressful. And I just was doing what I felt was right, you know, but without actually thinking about what I want or what was hurting, going to hurt me in the long term. So what I was doing is I was teaching all these free classes and people were donating and it was really touching, but I was burning myself out and not taking care of my mental health about like actually grieving and the loss of my job and the loss of many other peers, businesses, like it was so sad to have tight clubs, yeah. physical studio space closed down. Yeah, it was so sad to watch like the Lululemon SSC culture closed down because I was teaching for them. I was grieving my old self. I still to this day get caught, catch myself in such a sad state because I was supposed to literally the day before everything shut down was the day that I was supposed to go into the upper echelon of fitness and start my career at Barry's and be the master instructor at Ride and be the one that travels back and forth to Calgary and be the person that gets to open up new locations and without even having a chance I just was told that that wasn't going to happen and then there was a fear maybe Barry's wasn't going to come and then I had to deal with watching that that moment tight club closed down and also everyone being afraid and then being told um, I I'm safely say I wasn't kind of just told. I mean, I could have, I was asked, but you want a job. So they're like, you're going to Calgary mm. and you're leaving in two weeks. And I had just gone through a breakup and my partner who I broke up with was depressed and going through health problems. And it was just like, okay, well then I have to go. And then you're scared you're going to get COVID and you're scared of training a new team. And yeah. you, I wasn't getting much support from the management that time because they were scared and dealing with reopening up. It was just like one thing that led to another without any grounding. So then I went to Calgary and I got to ground myself. Like I got to 
train a team and because everybody was in lockdown it was 19 including myself 20 spin nerds sitting in a basement and nerding out about what it means to be a leader what it means to teach what it means to connect that was really cool and then it was one of the best times of my whole life but again I had so many unsolved things in Vancouver and so I was afraid to go home mm, yeah because I still had feelings for my ex and I was seeing like I wanted to go back together with him, but I couldn't. And I wanted to come back to my old life. Uh, and so I came home and I just started teaching a lot and I just started autopiloting again. And I was training a team here. I think there was 11 trainees at the time. And I just didn't take care of myself. I just taught a lot of ride classes and trained all day and then let off steam on Saturdays and then Sundays and started working again. And it was like just classic burnout culture. Yeah. And then you're just like, I'm too scared. This, the, the cases are going up and I'm constantly, constantly being censored for your, from your company because you can't, your people are going to your classes. So you can't really live your life the way you want right. to live. Yeah, you're like hide everything. this role model that everybody uh, sees. So like, for example, constantly getting scolded if you mess up for being a human, like, sorry, I have moved into a new apartment. I want to have, my close six over and show that I am having some nude vodka sodas on my patio and I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, people but I did. You know what I mean? It's thing. just like, yeah. it's exhausting. The shame you have to carry for being a normal human mm-hmm. too, on top of not being able to be a normal human because you also work at group fitness and people notice you. Anyways, that was weighing on me. And then stop November 7th, the announcement. And it was just like this crazy high and then this withdrawal and like being like no money again the world's shut down but everyone else still has their job why me mm-hmm. why did i why am i going through this again why is no one else why are people telling me to that to just hold on or why are people telling me to start my own thing they still have a job now like not everybody is in a shut down world it's just literally me and then having to toy with the fact of like getting a job at whole foods or um, starting up personal training and like it's just all of these ideas from people who are also scared but still are making money so because of that I just shut down I shut down I don't think I don't think I've ever had more of a drinking problem (laughs) I think I like stayed on my couch and I drank cheap bodacious wine and nudes and had my midday depression naps and didn't work out and I didn't none of that gave me joy and I literally just went to the other extreme again right Mm -hmm. and so it was really hard because it's the first time that I can even blow steam off or find it funny so that was really hard and the pickup after the holidays was the big test for me like can I stay consistent can I actually give what I can't give to others to myself? Yeah. And the big snap was when I was on the Kate Carson show and I just autopiloted again and said, I'm miserable five times on air to the world. And I heard myself speak yeah. and say that. Yeah. And I was so shook. And I was like, that was the moment I was like, okay, you have every tool in the toolbox to change the narrative. Yeah the moment right now and take care of yourself if you really want it and so I did that and I that's where I've learned to become a better person and a better coach is because now I know what I need to do to take care of myself so I can actually also take care of others and like actually do the real deal be the real deal give people the real deal talk about the real deal and quit being so insecure about my scars and what I don't have or what I do have and just be that person. Like I'm literally so over anybody who is going to rain on anyone's parade for trying to find any light of positivity during this time, because it is so hard, but also everybody has the tools to make their lives turn around when they're ready for it. But don't be the part of the problem that makes people not want to turn their lives around. Don't be a dick. Don't try and call someone out. Hey, I saw that you did this. Like, They're struggling, too, if they're behaving that way. You know what I mean? Like, you have to let people find their small amounts of joy and also encourage people to stay happy and consistent when they can and or to remember those moments when they have them. But, man, that was, like, 
now that I know that, I don't think I can ever fall down as hard as I have again. Yeah. Because I can catch myself. Yeah. And I can feel it. And I now really know what it actually means to love yourself. Like, to actually appreciate what you're doing for it and giving it. And and that's where I'm more focused in as a coach for people now that are in my classes. Is like, I just really want people to leave feeling happy that they've won something that they can love themselves in that moment. And then maybe they have to go back into their shitty lives. But like when I see them, we, we're going to figure this out. Yeah. You know? No, that makes so much sense. That's a lot of shit to go through. But I think it is. I, I can relate to a lot of that too because we have to like almost hit that rock bottom point and like really reach that threshold of pain and suffering until we can actually like take those skills and apply them to ourselves. Because I was in a similar position where like I was really good at helping other people, but my life was fucked. Like my life was chaos. I was always like, I couldn't figure out, I I went through a breakup during COVID too. And it was like the biggest learning experience. Once you get that distance and you start to like pay more attention to yourself, you're like, Whoa, like I was going through a lot and I didn't even really realize it at the time. And you start to like use the building blocks that we always use to help other people to help ourselves. And it's like pretty amazing when you, finally start to be like oh yeah this shit works and I actually feel like I'm taking good care of myself now and you're 10 times more available to help other people 100% and like why you do it is way more clearer now when I was before COVID it was just like what was the theme of the good vibes today you know what I mean but now it's like well this the time we have is so little and so hard to get to that when we do have it, let's be specific. Let's train specifically toward that actual release and that actual feeling and that actual humor. Like, but the focus is to smile. Like, let's actually find ways to sustainably have the biggest smile so when we leave and we have to go back into the dark world, we can still do it. We can still leave smiling, you know? Um, I don't know. It's just way more specific and focused towards making people feel good towards me leaving feeling good and less being about like we only have 45 minute power ride this power ride better make me skinny or it's better erase the fact that I ate a burger with bread like you know what I mean like that's kind of what the world felt like to me before now it's like I have 45 minutes to move and this is going to be amazing you know what I mean it is it's like we took it for granted before it was just part Mm -hmm. of life and it was just almost like punishment and now we have like these little slivers of human interaction and just opportunities to like feel good and people it's life-changing like those those 45 minutes outweigh like so much challenging shit that like people are going through we need it so much more now and it just like has so much value yeah it's the cool I, I feel like I finally actualized what I told people in classes before I used to just say it because it made sense but like don't leave it up to chance like, mm. this class is not a lottery. It's not going to just happen. But it's still, when the world was happening, it was still kind of up to chance some days for me. It was still like, okay, well, this is just what I do, and I teach this is how I earn money. But now it's like, I'm not going to leave this up to chance. And oh, my God, when the world has opened up again, and I make what I used to make per class, I'm going to invest that money in things that actually make me a better person, and I'm going to value my time. So if my value of time my value of money have gone up, then the quality is also going to go up too. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to deliver the most uplifting, memorable experiences and not just be like, oh, this was just my Monday noon class. You know what I mean? Like it's just way more investing. And like now that I actually understand what it will be like to make my old wage per class and actually get paid for the same quality I still think I'm giving at yeah. 30%. Now that if I can deliver that, like it's just feels like everything is going to go up in abundance you know, experience, time, feeling, money, like bonding and social, like social fulfillment. It's just all going to go up. So that's what's keeping me really optimistic is just like, it can only get better from here. And this is, this bad isn't that bad now that I've addressed, like a majority of it, I've addressed my shit. Like I've addressed a lot of fears, a lot of judgment. So that's kind of like what I am at with looking for towards the year ahead. And now that the, what I think is the worst that could ever happen was have been shut down and the fact that like it can only get better now is like really exciting to actually understand what it feels like to have a 
career rock bottom as well. Yeah, so. well, it's been an opportunity. Like, it's a huge perspective opportunity. Like, if you, your situation, especially, like, being in the industry that you're in, like, you had an opportunity to just feel like a victim and just sit and wait for it to end. Or you could take the opportunity to work on yourself and to get yourself uncomfortable so that you can grow from it, right? We have to be like really honest with ourselves in those moments and it's hard to do and a lot of people aren't doing that. So the people who are coming yeah. out of the experience of COVID with all of this personal growth and personal exploration are like so ready to just be so fulfilled and do mm-hmm. anything they want coming out of this, which is amazing. I go through the same filter. If I, This is how I want people to interact with me and if they cross the line I always set the boundary I'm like it is really hard for me to consciously every day make it the choice to be happy and to make the state in my life where I can improve myself and be there for others so you voicing how you feel about certain things really affects my ability to do that and I need you to understand that if you can't uplift or bring that energy or you're demanding some sort of conflict from me right now where I'm not at, mm-hmm. I can't do that. But also I want you to be aware that your energy is affecting me and that maybe at 7 a.m. this fight that or this conflict that you're presenting me with should be on the different light of like what are you doing to make sure that your energy is also set up success for you to be able to improve yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like that's kind of like where I go when I get when I get conflicted or like someone sees my close close friends list and they see that I'm drinking, you know what I mean? It's like any of that. And then I just I'm just like, is this conflict or is this opinion setting you up to have to improve yourself? Is this setting me up? Like is this important how the way you're framing it? It's kind of like how I uh, condition myself and I and how I keep those boundaries strong for others, you know? So because of that, too, when I know that there's a really positive experience happening, I really push it. You know, I really push, like, oh, we're having a good time in this class. Look, Jennifer, you're smiling. That's all. Like, I'm saying, Jennifer, amazing <laughs> smile. I always say, you're making this energy in this room amazing right now. Thank you. Yeah. No, that's so good. And to recognize that, like, setting boundaries is so important. And I think that's such a big part of like self care and preventing yourself from being burnt out because people don't realize what their energy does to other people. Like a lot of people are just not self aware enough to realize why they're doing the things they're doing and how it's affecting other people. So Mm I don't know, I just think it's the most important thing is just to know yourself and know how everything is making you feel and to keep those boundaries strong and then to encourage the people that are giving that good energy like that's huge. Yeah, and also if you really care about that person and that boundary, it sets them. You can be like, well, what can we do in your day or your next day tomorrow so we can set yourself up to succeed in making yourself be feel safe enough to self-improve or find opportunities to be happy? Yeah. And that conversation is way more important than tit for tat or he said, she said. It's like, yeah. okay, well, tomorrow's another day. What can we do? How can I help to make it so we can both feel... Like we are set up to be able to grow and to be positive or have the option to be happy. Even if we don't feel happy, sometimes that's why a lot of people aren't happy is they don't know in their environment that they have the option to be. It's a decision. Yeah. Yeah. So be that person that gives that option for someone else too. Or not be afraid to ask about it. Be like, I would make me really happy if we did this. Is that an option? We're so scared to ask politely what we need to make us happy. So because we're so scared, we, we feel like the only way to get it is through conflict and demand. Like, That's wait so until you're really frustrated and then be like, I only want I, I only wanted you to do this. Instead of it being like, hey, I'm feeling insecure. I really want to do this with you. Do you want to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We don't, we always wait till last minute. I so so I, much of that I'm is like bubbling right under now. the surface. Like we don't realize what we want until it's coming out as like aggression and like, passive aggressiveness so I think just the opportunity to tune into our thoughts like and just get to know ourselves a little bit more and slow down which COVID has been a really good opportunity to get real close to yourself so hopefully well I think where I where I thought of this was just like I got so mad at my roommate I was like we were supposed to go for ramen I was looking (laughs) forward to it all day (laughs) and I was like well 
that's not very fun when we go for ramen that we have to remember that I was like demanding <laughs> and angry. Like that's not fun for either of us. So no. the next time we do it, it's like, oh, I really wanted to go. Could we do that soon? And so it's not like when next time we go for ramen, we're both like, Ramen's awkward. Oh, yeah. Jaded. There was that time that I <laughs> got really mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great example. Okay. Well, when is Barry's opening? What's the as plan soon there? as they can give Vancouver the full experience. Oh, okay. Basically. They're just holding off. I think, well, yeah, all of the construction's done. I know that for a fact. Um, kind of like us with riding Calgary. We can't open up there. So. Oh, it's never opened. Yeah, we never had a chance to. So the construction's oh. done. We could potentially, with way restrictions are lifting, maybe introduce the mat classes. But I think we've decided to just give Calgary the full actual ride experience. Yeah. Yeah. So we're That's gonna so wait exciting. until at least more than fifty percent occupancy. Oh wow! So hopefully, Calgary yeah. doesn't know what's coming. I'm I'm really excited about that. I'm from. I grew up in Calgary, and I have tons of friends there. And every time they come here, I'm like let's go to ride. Like you need to go to the spin class. There's nothing like the spin class. And so anyone who is listening to this from Calgary should be very excited because it's a game I'm so changer. excited because I get to meet the amazing team. The team is so strong and the, so friendly and so connected to each other. And because of that lockdown training period from May to July, we, they really understand what it means to be delivering an experience to people during a really hard scary time yeah. and like create like so many joyous athletic moments for people and also we've been through so much adversity with the media there that I think like I'm just so excited that everybody's now really trained to just be really positive and really focused on delivering and changing this narrative around that the stigma and the judgment that we've had they're ready to just be like we are sorry for anything that has happened, but we this is what we're good at, and we love this, and we love that you're here, and thank you for coming. You know what I mean? I'm excited for them to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. They, they need it there. I'm, I'm excited for them. Yeah, it's going to be great. Amazing. Well, Michael, thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you. You got a lot out. Yeah. I needed that. I needed <laughs> it's like therapy. It. <laughs> yeah. It was like a reflection of like actually what happened. And I was so nice to say to the world what's well, been hard. <laughs> yeah. No, that is. That's yeah. therapeutic. It's good to get that out and to reflect. And I think that your story is incredible and you add so much value to the fitness community in Vancouver. I can't wait until we can be back in person. You can kick my ass and make me think I'm going to die. But have a really good time at the same time I know I can't wait to I can't wait to it's gonna be so good I just I can't it's gonna be feel like the biggest funnest party everyone's going to be so happy yeah. coming out of such a hard time I know we need it it's a celebration seriously I'm, I'm hoping anywhere anytime I'm giving it till September but if it happens before it's just gonna be the most amazing thing magical yeah my heart's like pounding thinking about it. I'm so excited. Me too. <laughs> I feel like I'll be like a kid, like being told that they're going to Disneyland on Christmas morning. Yeah. I'll be like, what? Why what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> We're going? What? <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay. So where can people find you? What's your Instagram? How can they oh, yeah, you can. work out with you right now? You can find me um, on my Instagram at Body by Kong. I don't have many live workouts scheduled right now just because I've been taking care of myself. Good. But you can find me on Ride Extension. You can find me in person at the mat classes. It's five people um, socially distanced. Or you can find me in the club row app. Um, I'm thinking of starting a like a May like feeling challenge, which is just like working out and tracking what makes you feel good. Oh, I love that. I haven't decided what it's going to be. I haven't decided how it's going to be done. And it's also, I'll probably only teach one online class for free on my Instagram TV. I think it's more of just like finding some way to make people feel like they're in the community and like talk about what makes them happy. Yeah. So I'm working on it. That's just on the back burner for now though. I love that idea. That's so good. And for Club Row, do people have to have a rower at home? I guess so, hey? You do. Yeah. You do have to have a rower. Uh, you can use any concept, too, if you want to connect to the leaderboard. Um, but you know what? If you're craving, like, being coached and you have access, 
it's cool because the way you can coach is live and like I get so amped up because I can see people split some power mm. and I can call you out by your name and then I can see the actual results of someone pushing harder into the machine and then I cheer them on and then we talk about it in the community it's pretty addicting feeling to be able yeah. to actually coach people yeah that's awesome yeah. and you're doing classes right now at ride what's a mat class Okay, so it is a class designed to feel like you're on a bike but off, and it's low impact, no cardio, low intensity. Um, I kind of designed it. It's kind of like body weight and weighted work at high rep, and then interval either to achieve muscular exhaustion or to achieve like the feeling of being like up in a run or jumping through a run or mm-hmm. in a heavy hill. Um, and it's just basically a way to access loud music, dark uh, loud music, a dark room. And a deep burn. So it's kind of like, it's functional training at high rep, I would say. Okay. Oh, good. I didn't know you were doing that. Yeah. So I teach Monday night, Tuesday morning. Wednesday, I do one on a live stream that you can do at home. And then Friday, I teach two of them as well. Oh, good. Oh, good. They all come. I need it. I'd love if you came. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for joining us, Michael. This has been so fun. Thank you for having me. Learn a little bit more about you. And I... I'm looking forward to seeing you very soon, and I am sure that everybody else is too. Same. I want to see you all. I miss you. <laughs> Let's just hug. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, y'all. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please rate the podcast, subscribe, share this episode with your friends, and I will talk to you so soon. Take care.